Thank you for downloading this podcast. The A to Z of Human Performance consists of 25 live shows that were broadcast in January 2021. The book, The A to Z of Human Performance, written by John Osirkham, Emma Wiggs and Steve Eaton, contains a lot of the topics you'll hear in the coming episodes and it's now out so you can get your copy at the Amazon Kindle store. Without further ado, here's the podcast. listening to the A to Z of Human Performance live show weekdays at 13.30 GMT with Chris Lisman and resident expert Jonna Serkum. Please enjoy responsibly. Well, please enjoy Chris Lisman responsibly. Happy Monday, Chris. Here we are back at it. Happy Monday, Jonna. It's our sixth show. Can you believe it? We're six in already. Six of 20. It's incredible, isn't it? It Um, is. It's amazing if you do something consistently, how, how time flies. It does, it does. We made it a routine, uh, which is great. And of course, we're calling a live show. This is recorded live, not strictly live, but recorded live. It's Monday. Can we get away with that? We're cheating. It's, it's uh, <laughs> recorded live because uh, I had a diary conflict. So I had to find a workaround. Is that okay with you? I think that's okay. I think, is, isn't everything live at the time? It is. Well, it's live when we're recording it now. <laughs> it's yes, live. What's today's topic then? Uh, today's topic, I'm, I'm excited to get stuck into this. We've got flexibility, freedom, and fun all together in one chapter. So much to go for there. Is it like yoga and jokes? Don't think it's yoga and jokes. But freedom. We got the soundboard there. That's a badumtish, I think. It's the letter F. Yeah, no. There we go. Him shot. Uh, great, yeah. Well, it yeah, is- no, no yoga coming up, but we do have some interesting questions. I'm sure there'll be some good chat as well. Um, but of course, if you uh, missed last week's shows, they're all on our website, interactiveworkshops.com. So check them out there and subscribe to us on YouTube so you don't miss a show. Jonna, let's start, get stuck into flexibility, freedom and fun. Um, flexibility was something we needed a lot last year. Uh, freedom, we didn't have so much of that. And fun, the less said, the better. How do high performance and these topics go together? Did you not have any fun last year, Chris? A bit of fun, but it wasn't quite as fun as I thought it might be. Freedom? Not so much. No. Well, let's, let's just look back at attitude and belief. I think we should start with beliefs. Uh, yeah, when we're locked in our own homes or when we're trapped in a job, what freedoms do we have? And um, yeah, it's, it's an intellectual question, isn't it? Freedom is the open window through which pours the sunlight of the human spirit and human dignity, said Herbert Hoover. And uh, we do, we are privileged in the West, certainly to have some incredible freedoms. And we've seen what happens when we feel like they're taken away. And I think, um, firstly, let's let's focus and think what, what freedoms do we have? We could focus on what we don't have, but let's focus on what we have. And um, we talked, we talked last week about the freedom to choose, but we do have freedoms and, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? When you're constrained to your home, you think, oh, I've lost my freedom. But you still have freedoms within. I mean, I'm thinking about my kids. They don't have as much freedom in my home as I do because I set some rules for them. So they've got less freedom than me. Uh, you know, so it's relative. And I think, um, you know, this, uh, this time we're in has been challenging. But I think we, to try and think about this topic, it's actually written in the context of high performance and, and freedom and self-expression and flexibility is actually really important to people who want to perform at a high level. 
uh, partly because we need to enjoy the process of attaining our goals. And if you think about some of the things we discussed uh, last week in previous shows about how to attain high performance, so much of it's about setting out a process and following that. But if then you're like Emma in an Olympic cycle, and it's four years, it could be, you could be trapped for four years in an eat, sleep, repeat, you know, exercise, rest, train, rest, train, rest, race, rest, train, rest. Yeah, it can be really boring. So you've got to, you've got to work out, high performers have to work out how to enjoy that process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's got to be a sense of uh, enjoyment in, in what we're up against because as high performance, we're going to come up against things all the time. Is this just about being positive through the things we're facing? Yes and no. I think, I think positivity helps and um, relentless positivity as a habit really helps. Um, but uh, to find our freedom, I think it's really got to, we've got to have an understanding of who we are and what we're about. And I, I like to think about it in, in terms of where we're at in the world as well. The human mind, we have the ability to, we actually overplay our significance and we overplay our sense of our ability to control the world. Uh, certain studies have said that if we realized how little we could really control the world, we'd actually have like uh, our head would explode and a heart attack and die, you know, akin to falling off a cliff that sometimes you actually die of a heart attack on the way down from the fear. But if we really, really realized how out of control we really are and how perhaps insignificant we really are, uh, it would blow our minds. So the, the, the human brain, you know, I studied cognitive science, the human brain overplays its significance and overplays its sense of control anyway. And I think if we didn't, we'd feel quite helpful, helpless. Um, so it's not just about being positive, but it is trying about trying to get a grip of uh, where we are in the world. And um, without being negative, if we if we were to think that we are relatively insignificant and not as in control as we think, uh, this for me turns life into an adventure. Uh, whether it is the kind of adventure where you know people sailed across in boats to America and went west to try and find gold whether it's uh, like when we go on a holiday or, or a, we go on a gap year and we don't know what's going to happen, but we're excited about it. Uh, or whether it's like when we try and you know, start a company, we don't know if it's going to work. Uh, so we can, we can actually turn this thought process into an, a, a more of a mindset of exploration and adventure. And we know that there's highs and lows in adventures and we're not actually in control of the outcome. You know, if you, if you try and climb some of the highest mountains in the world, 50% of times you won't succeed. So those guys are used to this feeling that they won't succeed. And, but they've got to embrace the process. So for me, it's about choosing to enjoy what's happening, even if it's not what we would choose. And um, that's, that's part of trying to discover this freedom. Hmm. So, so you're saying that in times where we perhaps think we're in control and perhaps we think we're in control quite a lot of the time, the brain is just projecting that control and, and really we're not. Well, it's part of our survival mechanism. It's like, let's try and take charge of things. And, um, you know, let's, in ancient times, they used to do rain dances and all kinds of things, giving themselves the illusion that they could control the weather. And I guess if you're in a, in a season where, in a, in a life phase where you needed the crops, you, you don't want to sit there and say, do you know what, whether it rains or not, it's out of our, outside of our control. So like more primitive cultures have developed all kinds of rituals to kind of make them think they can control the uncontrollable the famous King Canute with the sea saying, I'm the king, I can stop the waves coming in. Um, but, but, you know, the waves are a good metaphor. And, you know, I see life as, as a bit of a surf adventure and to, to the excitement of being actually, do you know what, we're out, out there in the deep and it's unpredictable, uh, but we can control our actions. We can control whether we swim out or swim, swim back in. We can control whether we jump on, on our surfboard and ride a wave or choose not to. So I think this, this kind of mindset helps us to, to, then express ourselves within the big wide world that we're in, you know? 
Yeah, you mentioned that in the book as well, the waves being that metaphor. How does that help you in, in your life to manage what, what comes up against you? Well, I, I, I do like to surf as well. And I, I can tell you one story, but when I went out to uh, uh, Barbados to go and surf, I was surfing on a world-class reef break there. And my wife was kindly videoing from the clifftop. And basically she came back with two hours of video going, is he, is he, oh no, oh no, is he, is he, oh no, oh no. I, I did, I barely caught a wave because I was actually so scared. And, um, you know, I was, a li- I, was, I was in an environment that was a bit too big for me. And uh, there was a reef break with consequences. I, if you fall off, you're going to get smashed on some rocks. And I'm more of a kind of beach break surfer. So that means more of a beginner, Chris. But, um, you know, I think, I think this, this feeling that, you know, when we're out surfing, we're, we're embracing those challenges. And we're actually going to try and express ourselves in those challenges. And we're going to express ourselves on that wave. Um, but I'll, I'll, another thing that happens when you're surfing is, you know, sometimes you're trying to take the best wave and you think, oh, I'm going to wait for a bigger one. And then when the bigger one thinks that's a bit too big and wait for a smaller one. And when the smaller comes, you think it's a bit too small. I'm going to wait for a bigger one. And I think again, you know, this, uh, this can happen to us in our professional life or in our, our work life that we, we never quite sure which challenges to take. And so we end up abdicating rather than just jumping onto something and riding it all the way to the mm. beach just for the adventure. That's a, that's a really good metaphor. And I think a lot of those waves that are coming out, so a lot of those big challenges, we, we don't want them but they're also what propels us to actually catch the wave. Yeah. Without the wave, we can't surf. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think, well, I won't take this one because if I do ride all the way to the beach, it's going to be a massive effort to paddle out. And then you realise, you know, I've paddled all the way out to surf, but actually I'm just sitting out here enjoying the sea. So this, this is kind of slightly about the flexibility, freedom and fun to choose. And, um, you know, even in the challenges of business, to choose to enjoy the experience or try and take what you can from the experience, even though um, it might be difficult. And you work with um, clients from all over the world who are requesting things of you daily. How do you still manage to enjoy it when you've got 30 emails coming in a day saying, can you change this about this project? Can you change the dates for this project? Uh, can we do this differently? I've had a great idea. How do you still enjoy it? Well, it's, again, it forms part of the high performance belief system. So as an example, you know, there's, there's a study from uh, Constance University, 107 different companies, 15,000 individuals uh, looking at um, the performance of those individuals related to their actual age and what they, their, their um, subjective age, which is determined on the question, how old do you feel? How old do you feel, Chris? Uh, 22. How old are you, Chris? 27. 27. So in, in the study, it, um, it showed that actually organizational performance is predicated on this subjective age more than our actual age. And they call it environmental dynamism, actually, the rate at which your workplace or environment is changing. And uh, those organizations that have environmental dynamism, a changing workplace, one that's evolving, one that's revolving at tempo, actually correlate with a high, high performance environment. Those that feel like they're static, a static environment uh, with a feeling of older age, um, co- correlated to a perception of older age, actually don't perform as well and also have in white collar workers um, higher absentee rates as well. So, you know, this, uh, you, you say like, how can you have fun in the, the work environment or in a high performance environment? It's almost like it's a thing that's bolted on as well that you could try to do. And I think actually we see that often with a lot of leaders that we work with, that they try and bolt on the fun. Whereas right. as a leader, as a, in creating a high performance environment, you need this environmental dynamism. You need the environment itself to be energizing. And so for me, rather than thinking like, how can I have this as well as the things I've got to do? For me, it's a fundamental. It's like, how can I make this environment dynamic, have lots of environmental dynamism, fluidity, change, 
like you know when we're setting out job roles we don't have job roles exactly we instead have assignments mm. and we turn the work into a, a six months long assignment for a team member now that's an example of creating an, an environmental dynamism because what we're saying there is actually this job's going to possibly change in six months so this is where you're at now this is what we need delivered so i think you know trying to use these kind of um open mindsets to make the work and experience and adventure actually helps us to achieve high performance and that open mindset is something we really need at the moment as well because we can't plan ahead for the future we just don't know what it's going to look like in six months yeah i mean the high performance leaders that we work with across organizations at the moment the ones i've spoken to have said this is a brilliant opportunity we can reshape our business we can yeah. experiment with things clients won't mind uh we can change the way that our businesses goes to market we can you know explore all kinds of different propositions so some people are seeing the time we're in as a huge opportunity wave and others are in protective mode like oh gosh you know this is gonna be really difficult how are we going to survive working from home um if we were really inspirational we'd say like what is the opportunities from working from home what's good about this problem how can we turn something that's difficult into something that's fun how can we turn something that's challenging something that's going to energize us uh you know i was, I was talking to my mum actually and she was saying that she's uh making sure that she takes her walks at, at lunchtime and does things differently than she might do um you know that, that's what we've got to do we've got to try and find what, what the best is in this even if it's extremely challenging yeah for sure i think we do and um john of all the companies you work with you work with so many what have you learned about the role of fun in an organization it's, it's one of those double-edged swords isn't it or no one likes organized fun so we've we spoke about this a little bit before about serendipity and um yeah i, I think the best organizations a lot of a lot of sales organizations need to have a relentless kind of monthly or quarterly pace uh the best ones overlay their incentives with experiences product launches uh you know employee of the month all these kind of things but done in a really relational way rather than in a status way uh and so organizations that that succeed in this area of making fun have this environmental dynamism as part of their core and i think also they're building for genuine relationships so they're, they're overlaying work and turning it into a community. And we've, again, this is really fundamental to a high performance environment that you're not just turning up and transacting and going home, but you're turning up to belong to a community that's doing something purposeful together. And along the way, the journey of that, you're going to get to know each other and have great experiences together. And through that process, go deeper in your relationships. And you know that's what at the, at the core of this kind of environmental dynamism in a workplace or in a high performance team. And again, you, you can see it in the Premier League. You can go and buy all the best players and get and pay them uh, massive wages and bring them together. And if they they don't actually click and have that fun, then um, you know they, you can pay all the money and the pundits are looking and going, I don't know why this team that's worth three hundred million can't perform. They've got this player, they've got that player. But it's because it's fundamentally human. It's not what you get paid. It's whether you enjoy what you do and whether you enjoy the people that you're along on the ride with. Yeah, that's really interesting because we, we often think about fun as just being a sort of day-to-day, short-term, shallow thing, but actually you're saying that there's a deeper sense of kind of joy and just enjoyment that, that is going to make the highest performing team. Chris, enjoyment is fun-demental. <laughs> that's, that's awful. That's, um, a, no, that's a great joke. <laughs> I'm gonna it, write, it's memorable. I'm it's memorable. The mental. Yeah. Write that on the wall. Um, and, <laughs> <on a> pencil. <laughs> right on a pencil how does how does freedom play its part amongst this I, I get the fun i get the flexibility there that i can see how those affect a high performing team how does freedom enter the mix how philosophical do you want to get chris i'm willing to get philosophical 
you want to get really philosophical? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Well, around a, a thousand AD, uh, most, country, back. most countries had a feudal system. And uh, the Lord of the Manor owned, owned the people who lived on the estate, the, uh, the barons. And through the Industrial Revolution, uh, mechanization meant that those feudal um, systems didn't need as many workers. The workers were released, but they were poor. And they, um, they became the workforce of the Industrial Revolution. And uh, they, they moved from belonging and living in the land that they were working on, albeit that the Lord of the Manor took all the stuff, to working in the Industrial Revolution in offices and factories, um, getting paid not that much, whilst um, other people made a lot of money. I'm talking about you know, in the UK here. In fact, the home of the Industrial Revolution. So we weren't free in round one. In round two, we weren't we we weren't free either, really. But you know, we perceived a bit more free because we weren't owned. Um, but then, you know, the the rise of the middle classes is a group of people who have um, taken ownership of their their life. But uh, if you look very deeply in this, and um, Yanis Vakoukaris has written a brilliant book called uh, is it Economics, My Daughter, but um, Capitalism, My Daughter. But uh, in that book, he he explains that you know, once we escape being in the industrial revolution, in order for us to build our shop or make our little artisan factory and have a roof over our heads, we have to take out a mortgage. And um, we need to, the, the labor force has to borrow the money to earn the money. Uh, so where is all this going? This is how this is how we end up with contracts in companies. We basically have to sign up and, and sign up for something in order to belong and to get paid. Um, and even if, even if you start your own business, you obviously still have clients and you then, you know, you're in contract to them as well. So in philosophical terms, we're, we're never going to be completely free whilst there's contracts and companies. Um, but yet, you know, nobody owns us and we are free. And I think if you look at how leaders hire people, they, hire, they should hire the best people they can and bring them in to do the best job they possibly can. Yet, sometimes we put too many constraints around people. And um, it's ironic, isn't it? You could hire someone in and, and then take away that freedom and tell them, this is what I want you to do. This is what you should do. Um, so if we're, we're, what I'm saying is that freedom is some, in some way, it's in our minds. And um, if we can act with true freedom in our workplace, then we're likely to get that uh, respect. But if we're a follower of um, others and we don't act in an empowered and autonomous way, then it's likely that um, we'll be told what to do and we'll right. lose freedoms. So actually we can embody that freedom and, and live that freedom. And actually that kind of comes true in a way it's not it's not coming from outside we can actually live it yeah and you watch it with the high performing employees where the highest performing people don't act like their company owns them they, they're extremely loyal mm. and they will work extremely hard and deliver high performance results but for themselves and um i think that kind of freedom that is what um it helps you to be energized it helps you to turn up knowing hey do you know what if i have to leave here tomorrow i leave here tomorrow i'm here on my own terms Whereas, and again, think about an athlete um, in an Olympic program or in a, in a football team. If they fit, imagine if you feel you're there because you're getting paid 180 million, you don't want to be there. You have to be there. You signed a contract you're there for four more years. You can just, Gareth Bale, you can just see that you're not going to get the best. Whereas it's an intellectual, mental activity. I'm here on my own terms. I'm here um, because I've chosen to be. And I'll, if I'm not happy here, I will leave. I think if you take that mentality, um, that really helps you to, to be free to express yourself within your work. Yeah, that's a really valuable mentality to have. I can see how that would 
turn you into a high performing individual if you're willing to turn up to work saying i'm choosing this this is this is what i do and i do it for me not just because someone else tells me to yeah some people say you could ask the question like what could, what would you do if you didn't get paid mm. and i certainly take this approach into the deals that we do at work i wouldn't take on a piece of client work that um i couldn't afford not to get paid for and that we wouldn't enjoy if we didn't get paid try and try and focus in on the work that that you would be happy to do anyway like yeah. running the a to z of human performance live show i would Very do good. it on a sunday night if i had to i, I would too i would too John. it's a pleasure <laughs> No, I think that's all we got time for. Um, but just quickly before we go, uh, one of the habituators you mentioned was uh, about swapping your wrist to the opposite, uh, swapping your wristwatch to the opposite wrist, uh, just as some something that feels weird and something you can change up. Um, what what are some other ways we can shake up our our day to day? Well, that is a super basic habituator. Is to just change some things about a working day. Change the way you go to work. Change the uh, time that you start. Have you ever started really early or? Uh, yeah, really late. I mean, I I've sometimes sit down a silly time in the morning, just get some things done. So, so mixing, up, in lockdown, the mixing, up, mixing up your routine again, like there's a lot of people say you've got to get your routine, you've got to get all fixed, which is good. But then over time, you become stale. So these, these kind of changes, I don't know if you remember when you were a kid and you change your bedroom around, like yeah. walk in, it's like, oh, I love that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, love it. Tell me how you slept the first night after you changed your bedroom around. Oh, so well. So well, yeah. You love it. Like it's just, it's like an entirely new, new room, new environment. So mixing things up is good, uh, and um, I think also, you know, thinking about how you present yourself to people, thinking about so you can have a social impact on others, and they will treat you differently if you introduce yourself differently. Uh, if you're in a customer service environment, you know, just start playing with your pitch, even change what you wear, um, and then I think like if you want an advanced habituator, break a bit of the rules, and I don't mean the law. Um, but uh, your company or your workplace's next great innovation is the thing that you probably aren't supposed to be doing now, uh, but that at some point others will say, well, oh, yeah, Chris started that. And I remember very clearly actually working with one big multinational where they weren't allowed to use LinkedIn for marketing. And I just said to them, like, you just got to start doing it, guys. Don't listen to the internal marketing people. They, if they really knew what they were doing with marketing, then they would allow you to speak on behalf of your company. Uh, and... So they did. And then, of course, like suddenly it became something that everyone had to do. So it went from something you're not allowed to do when enough people started on it. It's like, we're going to make you, this is something everyone has to do. And it had been very clear. So, you know, break a few rules, mix things up. Um, if you do get fired, by the way, that's my, my old boss said to me, everyone has to get fired once in their career. And I said, have you been fired? He said, no. I said, that's great advice, Sean. Thank you very much. But, um, but yeah, you know, mix things up, try and find some areas to push. Um, maybe say yes when you'd normally say no and again this is a big one in terms of giving up our control there's a great book the um the yes man and uh, it was made into a film with danny wallace but i actually spent a period of time kind of trying to practice this say yes when you'd normally say no say yes to a social invite when you normally say no say yes to um in going for a run or a jog with someone else when you might normally say no say yes to uh your kids when you might normally say no just taking away some of our kind of boundedness and uh, I think all of this adds to a kind of this, this um, environmental dynamism and whether it's in our own life, in our home life, in our work life, in our sport life, uh, you know, to try and allow this kind of sense of freedom is, is really vital. Those are some great ways we can mix things up. Thanks, Jonna. And oh, wait, uh, thank you. Go. What are you going to do, Chris? I mean, what am I gonna you've do? got some habituators there. What rules are you going to break? I, I quite like the saying yes or, or saying no when you normally say yes or no. I quite like that. 
I'll, I'll mix things up. Yeah, you do say yes a lot though, because you're very, very good at uh, that. Well, thank you. I'll start saying no now. No, that'll be your fault. That'll be your fault. Started. It's terrible. I must say that. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, join us tomorrow for chapter seven, where we're talking about goals and growth. So if you're looking to develop, you're looking to set some goals for the year, maybe join us then. That will be right up your street. And if you would like to be the guest as well for our show, then do get in touch. We'd love that. Um, great stuff tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great Monday. See you tomorrow. Don't forget, the A to Z of human performance is now available on Amazon Kindle Store. Get your copy now.